Hello, welcome everyone. I'm Bruce. I'm Greg. And I'm Casey. Together, we will dive into the mysterious world of the hit TV show, Supernatural. Join us as we follow Sam and Dean on some crazy adventures. As we break down episode by episode, have some fun along the way. Today's episode, Season 2, Episode 7, The Usual Suspects. Premiered on November 9th, 2006. Directed by Mike Roll. Written by Catherine Humphreys. We are Natural, Natural Friends. We've got our pal Greg. We've got our guy Bruce. They've got their other friend who's pretty cool. We're going to spend some time with Sam and Dean. We're going to kill some monsters and break down a scene. Supernatural Friends. Supernatural Remember, spoilers ahead. Guys, I have a poll. If Sam and Dean decided to go for their weekend retreat, where would they go? This one was kind of weird because I had the mountains to backpack, beach to get that tan, cruise for that buffet, and staycation. I really thought the buffet was going to get them. For some reason in my head, like, they like 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 they to like eat. I, yeah. I would pick buffet. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that was the least chosen. People really loved beach to get that tan. So <laughs> I'm really. I assume there's an episode eventually they're gonna get to where they just they both lay out and have little reflectors. Just a beach day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One season finale. That's all it is. It's just their <laughs> their retreat to get away for a little bit. I could picture, as far as deciding to go on vacation. I saw them at the beach more than on a cruise. And even with to get that buffet, like, well, they could just go to a buffet. <laughs> I put uh, mountains to backpack on it. And I really thought made me laugh. Because like, they, I was like, oh, yeah, they're manly and they're going to. Nope. I was uh, one of the least chosen ones. Staycation was uh, number well, two. I think that's because we've already had an example of the boys in the wilderness and they took a. Uh, a very lightly packed duffel bag. <laughs> they're not. They're not backpackers. Also, they probably spend so much time in the woods that they're just like, I don't want to go back. <laughs> this week on Supernatural, Sam and Dean find themselves facing murder charges when Dean gets caught red-handed over a murder victim's body. Sam makes a great escape in order to track down a vengeful spirit. The spirit turns out to be a death omen, attempting to warn victims about a murderous cop. The murderous cop's partner guns him down, and the boys once again escape from the long arm of the law. Bruce. Yeah. Did you watch the previously on? I did. What did you think? It made me think a lot more than I needed to, I think. Because like I was like, okay, we're talking about this, we're talking about this, we're talking about this, we're talking about the fact that he killed a skinwalker. Is that what happened? Did he actually shoot the guy? Yeah, they killed a skinwalker. They had a funeral for the okay. 15. So I was like, did he actually kill a guy? So I started freaking out a little bit that we've talked about him killing people. I was like, is that technically a real person? But probably not really. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> so I was just my head was all over the place. I'm like, where is this episode going? And I was like, oh, that's right. He's technically dead as well, which feels like it should have been a bigger deal than it was in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> all that led us to the fact that Sam and Dean have been arrested in Baltimore, Maryland. And we quickly find out that this episode is going to be framed just like the movie that it's named for, The Usual Suspects, which is a movie that I'm not sure if we're allowed to like anymore. 
<laughs> I like it. <laughs> I don't know that movie. Oh, you've never seen The Usual Suspects? Sounds like I'm not supposed to. <laughs> it's Kevin Spacey, Bruce. Hmm. And directed by Brian Singer. Okay, fair enough. It's like a double whammy. But right away at the beginning, as Sam's getting arrested. Hey, who is that? That's right. It's our weekly segment where we take a look at some of the guest stars featured on this week's episode of Supernatural. Because right away, we have... Bobby. Okay, wait. Hold on. Did you think Bobby was in this episode, Bruce? (laughs) No, I just made up a name. (laughs) Is it the lady? Lady cop? Yeah. Do you guys not... She made a joke. They they made the joke at the end. But I didn't... I did I was like, oh. Yeah. I didn't notice before that. All right. So right away at the beginning, we have our friendly detective, Diana Ballard, played by the Oscar-nominated and Golden Globe winner, Linda Blair. Hey, who is that? She's Regan from The Exorcist. Yeah. I still need to watch that. You've never seen it? No. Have we talked about this before? Yeah, I'm going to watch it this week. I must have blacked out my disappointment. (laughs) I've never seen The Exorcist either. Chris, you want to watch it? (laughs) They made... Um, two jokes at the end in reference to it. One being, hey, she looks familiar. And two being the pea soup joke. Uh, because there's a scene where Regan throws up in The Exorcist and they use pea soup. Yeah. See, when they said that, I was like, maybe this is one of the actresses that played an episode before and I just didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, oh yeah, they've seen her before because she played in some one in season one, but I was wrong. That's Linda Blair. This is one of those dumb jokes that like make me eye roll, or you know, like like sort of breaking the fourth wall thing. But it's like, all right, I guess you can do that, <laughs> you know. Like when Bruce makes his dumb dad jokes, like I'll allow it. <laughs> I just think two were unnecessary. Two, yeah. <laughs> Like, if it had just been one of them, I think it would have been fine. Like, hey, do we know her from somewhere? And then just kept <laughs> roll credits. And then next up, we have our dead and not really a friend, Karen Giles. Played by Keegan Connor Tracy. Hey, who is that? Keegan has become quite the genre staple in recent years, making appearances in... 40 Days and 40 Nights, Final Destination 2, The 4400, Battlestar Galactica, Bates Motel, Once Upon a Time, The Magicians, and a season 4 and a season 15 episode of Supernatural playing completely different characters. 15, huh? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on... Hey, who is that? I liked this episode a lot. Because we kind of... Did I black out for 40 minutes? Are we doing reviews? <laughs> no, you, you, you can give a general opinion, Bruce. What you got to say? I, I was going to transition into talking about what was going on in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I like this episode a lot because we, find, we nitpick on those little things a lot. So like, oh, they're breaking in somewhere. Oh, they touched that. And probably has fingerprints on it now. Um, oh, aren't people other people seeing them doing these things like walking through a police, you know, scene? Um, and finally we get to see like, yeah, 
Yes, they do. <laughs> but they're just tracking them from afar. They finally got him. Yeah, this episode is fun in, in the sense that it's fun to show consequences, like legal consequences for the things they do sometimes. But it's a, a good balance because it would be annoying if this came up every 10 minutes in every episode. So mm-hmm. it's nice that it's just like one big consequential episode <clears throat> that they wiggle out of. But like, you're like, oh, this is the big one. And uh, yeah, it's fun. It's a good balance. And it brings us to like, for me, an even cooler point is how prepared they were to be caught. That was really neat. Not even necessarily specifically being caught, but it shows you how professional they are with uh, having contingency plans of if they get separated, they go to the first hotel in the phone book and uh, look for a specific pseudonym. And that was really smart. Um, and then Dean's secret message with the, the great escape. That's cool. Yeah, I think like, through a lot of these episodes we've had to kind of suspend belief or make some logic leaps to how things could happen with them but in this one yeah it gets explained which sometimes takes away like the mystery or the fun of things but they were really cool smart explanations that just made the brothers seem cooler and even better at their jobs yes <laughs> so my first question then is why did sam look at the coffee cup like that when he was being interrogated? Oh, yeah. I thought that was going to be a plot point. For me, it was like almost like he was inspecting to see if it was like poisoned or something. Yeah, what, what did he expect? <laughs> and I thought they were drawing attention to it for a fingerprint issue. Of yeah. They were going to steal his coffee cup to, to print them. But uh, never came up. Maybe they cut it for time or something. Another thing that kind of got introduced, but we haven't seen the result of at least not yet is um, they immediately at the beginning of the episode talk about how they're exhuming the body of the dead shapeshifter in St. Louis, but we, we don't know what happened. I'm left curious if like they dig it up, is it still going to look like Dean or will it have reverted to some other form? <laughs> Depends what season we're in right now. <laughs> also, if it started to decay, <laughs> but still like you, you could, tell from like dental records that it's shapeshifted into Dean or not. I mean, when it died, it stayed Dean, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But how, how long does that last? We don't know. And what, what'll happen if they dig it up and it is Dean. These are unanswered questions, <laughs> which exactly, <laughs> but that from what we've seen so far, it might come up again. I was pleasantly surprised when, when this came up or when, Dean's supposed murder actually became a plot point. So maybe it, you know, we have unanswered questions. Maybe they will be answered in the future and they'll have to go to jail again. We shall see. I I can't remember what exactly I predicted, but in my head, I did not think this was coming back around. I thought this was a storyline that they like wrote themselves into a corner and just decided just that, yeah, we didn't need to talk about it again. <laughs> I'm glad they did, though. It was, it was fun. Through Sam's interrogation, we find out the framing of the episode, which, like I said earlier, is um, the same as the usual suspects. So, Bruce, it's the exact same thing. Um, there's a person being interrogated um, in, like, the present. And through that interrogation, you get to see the rest of the story play out. Um, sometimes it matches what the 
interrogatee is describing. Um, but other times it doesn't like whenever Sam describes Tony Giles as a friend of their dad. And then it goes to the scene of them finding out that Tony Giles is dead. And Who's Sam's Tony first question Giles? is, it's Tony Giles. <laughs> she gave us a key. It shows them lockpicking. Yeah. I think he does that with a computer, too. I, I went to the motel as he's sitting there decoding <laughs> the, the password. So we get a, a time frame again. And I love, I love trying to put together a time frame for where we are. But what's interesting is this epic episode could theoretically be an episode out of time. So I like to imagine that it is because first off, she said it's been about a year since uh, Jess died and the, house, the apartment burned down. But I think we've had more than a year's worth of stuff happen in between especially with those grave markers, that one episode. Um, so I like to think that this is an episode out of time somewhere after their dad's death, but um, other than their dad's death, there's not much as far as plot to specify when this episode took place. So I thought that was neat. It's, it's fun, but it also is like, I have to tell myself it's an episode out of time. Otherwise, this whole timeline's just going to annoy me. Because of all the clues that their time is not matching up. And it never has since we started. So when the boys go to visit Karen Giles, they get to play insurance agents again. Oh, yeah. I was excited when they, in the preview, that they talked about all the different uh, disguises they've had over the time. It really made me think about how frustrating that must be. Because I don't think it's to the extent that that they show up and... and investigate the way these boys pretend to do but for like a family of victims like how many different investigations could potentially happen and how many times you have to give the same story over and over because i guarantee if not people coming to your house like you definitely have your insurance calling you to like Mm -hmm. at least go over like general things or whatever which is just another reminder that something tragic has happened in your life yeah so you guys don't think someone is actually showing up and asking for you to describe your dead husband's nightmare? Not during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing during this uh, conversation was that Sam at one point is like, like cut it out kind of thing. Like he gives him like the nod to just like back off. And then immediately she starts telling him everything. It paid <laughs> off. Like, yeah. I, I guess it works. <laughs> So they break into the victim's one of the victim's offices, right? Yeah, they they break into Tony's office after lying and saying that Karen gave him the key, and that's where they find the first Dana Schulp's clue. This was fun. I was annoyed mm-hmm. with it at first because they didn't use all the letters, and then later on, that's that's fixed. That's neat. I do think it's interesting that they specified like witnesses saw you in such and such office. They were there for at least an hour. <laughs> Nothing happened. You know, like if 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 witnesses saw them break into a crime scene, like you would think they would call it in. So, so I wonder if she just made it up for the interrogation. Like, no, they didn't actually see them. She just assumed that happened. Maybe I don't know. Or I wonder if it was a thing that happened after the fact. Like, it's not that someone called it in and said, hey, these people are doing it but once they realized that the scene was broken into or someone was at the scene they went around and asked 
Did you see anybody? Yeah. Because I imagine they don't like look like they're breaking in when they go out to places. It seems like a very quick process to pick those locks. Yeah. I mean, it probably shouldn't be, but they do it very quickly and it kind of looks like they're just opening the door from far away, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I also like during the scene, we got the continuation of Sam the hacker. <laughs> Estimating his 30 minutes to to finish cracking this password. Yeah. Yeah. So this is when you see the ghost. This was more creepy than usual. Or it's more creepy than we've had in the past few episodes, I think. Not even the close ups really got me. But like when she was sitting there and like it was standing outside the window looking in. Uh, it just gave me the heebie jeebies. And then she goes up into her room and like in the, she's in the closet. And I'm like, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. She turns around. I still jump. (laughs) (laughs) Knew it was coming, but it was just so like, I don't, she just stood there, made weird noises. That's what got me with this ghost was the gurgling when she was trying to speak. Yeah. Like this episode was not gory at all. I mean, they described um, that the throats were slashed uh, so much so deep that the spinal cord was visible. But, like, we didn't actually see any of that happen. But we got this pretty good-looking ghost and good sound effects with the ghost that did make it kind of gross in a good way. And just the overall vibe, I think they 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 did a really good job this episode with that feeling of a horror movie. Um, I was a little peeved with the whole glasses thing, but it was a, a cool like scare not even a jump scare but the whole she looks real creepy out that window but it is also made creepier by the fact that you initially saw it blurry um and you couldn't tell what it was and then you get the glasses and so that was a fun concept i just hated that like she thought she heard something so she took off her glasses (laughs) it's like why would you do that yeah (laughs) um but aside from the 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 premise of that setup um it was a cool like uh scare that being said greg do you you don't wear glasses right no i have a very weak prescription for long distance or uh far sight yeah have you ever been in the shower and like (laughs) you close your eyes to like wash your hair and then, like, for some reason in your head, your mind starts playing tricks on you. Like, oh, what if there's something in front of me when I open my eyes? No, just me. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I wonder if people who wear glasses have a similar, like, when they take them off and they can't see. Like, if, there, if there's, like, a little bit of dread that goes through. Like, when they just... <laughs> <laughs> if you wear glasses, I need you to write in and let me know. <laughs> I, Bruce, I, I I do want to go back to your shower example or just in general. Are you talking about like that feeling you can sometimes get or yeah, like you can make yourself get that there might be something in front of your your eyes are closed, but you can picture something in front of your face. Is that what you're saying? Uh, more like you have to check behind the shower curtain, even though there's probably nothing there. <laughs> what does that have to do with eyesight? No, I, oh, I completely understand what he's saying. Like he's in a situation where he can't open his eyes because of the shampoo. And during that time, he's vulnerable and scared that something might be approaching him. 
Is that oh. right, Bruce? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly okay. right. All right. Wow. No. No, I'm not a scaredy cat. <laughs> or I guess a better example would be you're just in a pitch black room. <laughs> okay, that's pretty terrifying sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you just can't see anything, so you are very vulnerable. And, you know, if something was there, you wouldn't really know. Yeah. So some nights I get home from work at like one in the morning. Um, so I'll... Uh, go to the bathroom, you know, get ready to go to bed and head to the bedroom where it's already pitch black and my eyes haven't adjusted yet at all. So I can't see anything. <laughs> um, and our dog is normally on the bed at this point. So nine times out of 10, she just scares the hell out of me <laughs> because I do not know where to expect her come, to come from. So back at the precinct, um, the boys are being interviewed, so and uh, the, the two officers who have been um, interrogating them meet up, and we find out that both of their stories match perfectly. Yeah. Do you think Dad trained them in this? Like, I realize some of it is played beforehand, like they know how to make sure that the stories sync up. But do you think Dad like focused in on how you, what you do if you get? interrogated like i think so he had to have yeah because there are some like even large details that could easily be a different lie from one brother to the other so uh what's his face being their dad's friend like that's kind of specific and if dean had said something slightly different their story would immediately be incorrect um so yeah they must have had this this system worked out already and yeah i think it came from training from their dad and i love that as soon as the brothers are alone in their rooms they immediately go back to working on the case so they both know about the dana shelps thing and they both at the same time figure out that it's probably an anagram Mm -hmm. and dean starts trying to rain man his way through it (laughs) before the uh before the lawyer comes in with the the paper to help him out that lawyer is my favorite he he, he was just there to help but <laughs> poor guy <laughs> poor matlock you guys are brothers they were lucky that the lawyer could go between them because the whole point was to to keep them from communicating with each other so they were lucky this lawyer got a note through can you and your brother have the same lawyer if you both get arrested at the same time it felt like it shouldn't be happening. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you could. I also, I mean, I try not to, I don't want to get too critical or like look up all the details, but I don't think they would send a public defender in the first place. They weren't charged yet and they didn't call for a lawyer. So well, Dean, even... did he call for a lawyer? Was Dean oh, was charged? charged? Yeah, that might be right. He was accused. <laughs> he's probably charged uh i forgot about that i was thinking from sam's angle but yeah dean was probably charged at that point anyway so they have a lawyer <laughs> uh we'll ask legal legal if they can have the same lawyer and go between and with that lawyer's help they figure out that the anagram is ashland sup <laughs> sup ashland which is uh, Ashland is a street nearby, and 
they just have some extra letters for some reason right now. I was so frustrated with that <laughs> the whole episode. Just there, there to throw you off. <laughs> I was surprised that they weren't also frustrated with it. Yeah, they really went hard with Ashland. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad you turned out to be right. <laughs> it could have been any other street name with some of those letters. <laughs> That's true. We could have gotten rid of other letters as yeah. well. I like to think that Dean's thought process was like, maybe the ghost was saying, sup, Ashland. <laughs> <laughs> Meet me here. <laughs> um, so Dean gets a note through the lawyer to Sam. Uh, addressed to Hiltz, letting Sam know about Ashland, signed McQueen. I didn't get this reference either until they. <laughs> I need to watch this movie as well. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get that one either. I, I had notes to look it up after, but then I didn't have to. So thanks, I knew. Yeah, as I said, I knew it once they explained it. I was like, oh, that movie, but yeah. <laughs> and then we get a what was surprising for me a scene where Dean tells the truth to everyone. Oh yeah. This was fantastic because we've, this is another conversation that we've had many times where we've been like, well, why don't they just tell them what's happening? People will get it. Turns out people don't get it in this universe, at least. Well, they always get it after they have their own experience with a ghost. And once again, that's all it took. One run in with a ghost. The typing on the paper was really cool effect. Not effect, but like... On the computer? Yeah. Bruce, have you seen The Shining? I just watched it. Not too long ago, actually. Oh, okay. Good, good. So you got the reference to Jack and Dollboy. All work and no play makes Jack a doll boy. Oh my god! You didn't get that reference. Okay. I got it now. Yeah. (laughs) The Red Round reference. I got that one. (laughs) So, once again... We got this cool element from pop culture added into the lore of a monster on the show. So, like, they just basically completely stole Red Rum from The Shining and turned it into their own thing on the show with how spirits try to communicate, which was, I think they did it in a cool way, and it, it didn't feel too much like stealing. Definitely. That was, I, I liked it because it was also, it wasn't just, because Red Rum's just backwards, right? Like, like mirrored. So it didn't full on steal it. It was like its own version. And then they hung that lampshade and referenced it as pop culture. So um, they did a good job with it. And Dean convinces Diana to go get help from Sam. And once again, one of the brothers takes along a stranger to burn a body. (laughs) (laughs) We have to get the bones. We have to salt them and burn them. It's just (laughs) great conversation. Yeah, happens all the time. After, you know, Sam does his thing, finds out that the body's probably inside this brick wall, um, he just decides to use his super strength and break <laughs> down a wall. Maybe it was a fake wall because they were hiding the body or whatever. Poor masonry. Yeah. <laughs> he is a cop. He's not a mason. <laughs> he starts with a pipe, right? Yeah. But even so, the and way switches it switches to his elbow. <laughs> and he has a broken... Hand or whatever. Yeah. I feel like there was another time where we talked about Sam's super strength. So, new headcanon, he was actually using a super strength ability he doesn't know he has yet. (laughs) To be fair, like, I know we've talked about this before, but like, 
when he stood beside that cop, he towered over. He's <laughs> a big boy. Maybe he's accidentally using his psychic abilities as super strength, but doesn't realize. Like it, it just slowly adapts over time, so he doesn't realize how strong he's getting. Yeah, I just tear down brick walls now. Doesn't everybody do that? <laughs> this is when Sam puts it together that Claire is not a vengeful spirit, but a death omen. Yay. Did this feel like a weird transition? Just the, the way he decided that it was a death o- omen and not uh, a vengeful spirit. I was okay with his realization of it. I did not like his the delivery of the information to the audience. It felt very ham-fisted, I guess, um, where he's like, literally the line like, oh, it makes perfect sense. And it's like, that is a hokey line to have in real dialogue. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I was okay with him jumping to that conclusion. I just wasn't okay with the way the information was conveyed. There, there was also a uh, commercial break there, I think, which made it a little goofy as well. Yeah, I was also fine with him figuring out because I, th- I think he had enough information between the three, what, two people dying right after seeing it, but that spirit not being violent to the only alive person who has seen it. He had jumped to similar conclusions in Asylum when, oh, you didn't attack me immediately, so you guys must all be good spirits. So, like uh, when Cat was in that room and he's like, just let him talk to you <laughs> or whatever. Do you guys want to learn about death omens? Yeah, I, I do. would love to. An omen, as you know, is a sign of something happening. A death omen, therefore, is a sign of death. Um, there are a lot of death omens out there, just as many as omens themselves. Um, we have, I have a list here, and I'm just going to name off a bunch of things that could signify death. First, we have a black cat. Um, I own a black cat, so I haven't had any problems so far. So we also have crows, owls, doppelgangers, the death watch beetle, death knocks, which is when you hear a knock three times on your door, but no one's there. Phantom funerals, which is, well, when you see f- images of a funeral that's not there. Solar eclipse used to be a sign of death, but we can predict them now, so it's probably not a good omen. I mean, there's, there's an internet rumor that black cats are not adopted as often as regular cats, mm-hmm. and that's actually not true. So according to Mental Floss, uh, black cats are adopted around the same rate as others. And as a matter of fact, it's like tuxedo cats that are adopted the least. So go out and adopt a tuxedo cat, a black and white cat. Interesting. I wanted to look more into a spirit being a death omen. And the closest that I could find is something we've touched on before, which is a banshee. Um. So we've talked about a banshee before where it just is an omen of death and... I think when we talked about it, it was the the folklore that I came across was the banshee would sing if someone she liked was dying. So like sing mournfully and then she would just shriek and or laugh in a shrieking tone if someone she didn't like was going to die. But I also found a specific banshee in Martown, West Virginia. Have you heard of it? Now, Greg, mm-hmm. when, when you say you found the Banshee. 
I found it and killed it. <laughs> yeah, already. Um, no, I found an article about a a banshee on occultworld.com. Hey, our away. old pal. <laughs> our old pal, <laughs> occultworld.com. Martown, West Virginia. The banshee is a shrouded figure who rides a white horse. According to lore, the banshee first appeared to the founder of Martown, Thomas Marr, a Scottish immigrant who arrived in 1836 and his West Virginia wife, Mary. The Mars ran a farm and, like many people, fell on hard times during the Civil War. After the war, Thomas got a job as a night watchman on a bridge near Martown. On several occasions, Marr spotted the shrouded rider as he traveled to and from work. He could not make out the gender, though he thought it was a woman. The figure and horse always vanished as he approached them. Thomas Marr told Mary about the mysterious figure. On February 5th, 1876, he went to work one night and never returned. While Mary waited for him, the shrouded figure rode up to the farmhouse and announced that Thomas was dead. The manner of his death is not known. So once they investigate Claire's body, they find a necklace on it that matches perfectly the necklace that Diana is currently wearing. And Sam is able to put two and two together and realize that Peter is the killer, which leads to Diana realizing exactly why you shouldn't where you eat. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that idiom is because the person that you're sleeping with or whatever (laughs) is going to turn out to be a murderer. Yeah, so if this guy just you know, had a little bit of originality in his gifts to his girlfriends, then... uh, It would have been fine. Yeah, he wouldn't have gotten caught. Or also, if he didn't decide to transfer prisoners at 2 o'clock in the morning like a Mm. psychopath. (laughs) Also true. He was losing losing his game. But it's fine. What's what's one more dead scumbag, right? Murder's not a very good cover-up. You just have to keep on murdering. Like, it just doesn't end. He was ready to kill all three of them. (laughs) Then what? (laughs) One thing I really enjoyed about uh, this end confrontation with Peter um, was once Diana shot him. She, like, walks up to him and tries to to deliver a (laughs) one-liner. You can't do that. (laughs) You can't do that. (laughs) Yeah, you have to... You either have to deliver it after the person is dead and it's good for no one other than those around you. If And if there's no one around you, you still do it to look cool, you know, like if a camera was on you. Right. But you don't give it to a living person within grabbing distance. I also, I, I really liked how uh, Dean was a smart ass to the end. Like he really thought he was screwed and that there was no way that Sam knew exactly where he was. <laughs> he just didn't stop. Our death omen got to be a death omen. Just one last time. Nice distraction for the murder. And uh, it's just fortunate that they didn't decide to just salt and burn the bones anyway, I guess. <laughs> and once again, the boys didn't have to kill a guy. Hey, do you think... <laughs> so this murder felt weird. Oh, yeah? <laughs> like, murders are always weird. But, like, usually we have, like, a specific, like, if we don't kill this guy, he's killing someone else. 
she shot the guy in the back <laughs> and that felt he was <laughs> he was gonna kill them <laughs> wasn't he looking towards the well like right before yeah. the ghost showed up she was about to die <laughs> it just it felt in he the was going to straight up execute Dean <laughs> seen Dean and Sam take down worse guns I don't know <laughs> just it felt off it felt like a gray area Nah, I think I think it's strict self-defense or what do, you, do you still call it self-defense if it's defense for another? Well, by the time she shot him, it was self-defense. So, I mean, maybe Diana did it exactly what Greg said you can't do. Maybe she did murder as a cover up because mm. we know at this point her plan has to already be to let these boys go so that they can go do what they do best. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Peter had survived, she wouldn't have been able to get away with that. She's the real vil- villain. I said that. I yeah, said that really maybe. weird. I'm gonna come up, bring it back. <laughs> that was very Western Pennsylvania of me. She's the real. <laughs> she's the real villain. I can't do. <laughs> she's the real villain. <laughs> she's the real. I can't say it. God. You can do it. I believe in you. Is it real? Real. She's the real villain. She's the real villain in this story. Ooh. It was close enough. So she lets them go to fight another day. But the cops will be after them, which she warns them. Which maybe we'll see it in about a season and a half from now. Yeah, I guess they're like a lot worse off now. Before, their only problem was that Dean was technically dead, and now they're both wanted felons. They were in Baltimore, right? Yeah. So we're considering it's like the Baltimore police, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this isn't just like a small town police off like officer. Yeah, but they get a lot of murders. Like they can't, you know, they can't follow up on everything. So I guess a cop died. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's no good. And there's still a body being exhumed in St. Louis. Yeah, they kept saying St. Louis. It feels like it's a bigger thing. Like we have to see what happens in St. Louis now. We're invested. So something just hit me. Yeah. Why did she see the death omen? Ooh, okay, let's let's dig into this. Um she saw the death omen because um was Peter going to kill her? Yeah, I think that's the I mean, technically by the end of the show. That's the implication, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's almost like a prophecy. Right, because yeah. it wouldn't have ha- like if she hadn't seen the death omen, she wouldn't have been in that situation. Yeah, but since she saw the death omen, she was in that situation. Well, was she going to be in the situation no matter what? The death omen was just being nice and like warning her. No, because the, the seeing the death omen pushed toward toward Sam. Hmm. Um, I'm going to tell myself that um, without the death omen, Diana would have eventually started to believe the boys, and therefore like would start to get on the trail of Peter. Um. And as a result, he would have ended up killing her. So she did intercede and, and okay. became a death omen for her. That's, that's what I'm going to tell myself to make that make sense. But you're right. It, it's, it's really, that's really thin. It's thin. <laughs> it works for me. I'm sold. Okay. okay. Reviews? Reviews. Reviews. I give this episode eight death omens out of ten. Um, it's one of my more enjoyable episodes. I liked the shakeup with storytelling. It's 
it's kind of a gimmick, but it's fun to every once in a while just have like a story that's like um, hopping through back and forth in time and trying to figure out what's happening. Um, so I like that. I liked the uh, purposeful procedural vibe of the show. And I would have, I don't know how I feel because it seems like it was, it was like it was a parody of a cop procedural show. Um, but they also nailed it so hard that it barely felt that way. So I wish it was a little more like silly to like really make it feel like a parody on purpose. And the monster was fun. I, I thought it was interesting to once again have a, what we think is a vengeful spirit turn out to be something different. And uh, the Death Omen itself, it, they, as far as I could tell, they kind of made up the idea of a spiritual Death Omen. Like the only example I could find was a Banshee, which is like a specific thing. But once again, the boys didn't get to kill a dude. So points off for that. Eight Death Omens out of 10. I'm giving this six and a half out of 10 <laughs> Death Omens. Um, it's it sounds bad, but it's really not. I I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. <laughs> it um, sounds bad, but it's not. This, this was just kind it. of an okay episode for me. Um, I enjoyed it. It was fun to watch, but when I left, I didn't have a whole lot other than what you talked about, like the change of story. Um, the like you said, the storyline was fun. Um, I enjoyed watching them work separate but together at the same time. So that was a cool uh, way to keep them interacting with each other, but not really. The turn of villain was cool. Like like we said, like first we thought it was the spirit, then we found out it was the guy, and then we realized that the lady was the villain all along. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it was just a fun little play of games. Um, but uh, I mean... It, when it comes down to it, it, I enjoy those story driving episodes and we didn't really get a whole lot out of this one. So um, didn't love it, didn't hate it, but uh, six and a half out of ten Death Omens. Mm. Well, I, I want to be clear to start here in case it didn't come across during the episode. Um, I love this episode. Oh, OK. Um, nine gurgling ghosts out of ten. Wow. Wow. So Bruce so is wrong. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce is wrong. Um, I love that we're revisiting what at this point had seemed like a throwaway plot line from season one in Dean being a murderer slash dead. Um, I love that we're paying homage to the usual the usual suspects in like the framework of this episode. And I think they did a really nice job executing it. At no point did it feel like it was just some unnecessary gimmick. It felt like it was worked into the show really well. Um, I like the tone of the episode, Greg, like you said earlier, they kind of nailed like a, almost like horror thriller vibe to it. Um, that did have that, those procedural elements to it. And I think Linda Blair knocked it out of the park this episode relied on like a really strong guest actor. And I think she did a good job. Um, there are a couple things that once you look at it a little bit more, you start to question like why she saw the death omen, or like what the actual purpose of the death omen is. 
so they say that a death omen wants justice, but it only get tries to get justice by showing up to tell people that they're about to die, be mm-hmm. murdered by the person who killed them. Mm-hmm. So, like, what if that person never kills anyone else again? Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. But yeah, that's just minor nitpicking on an episode that overall I love the characters, the story, the feel of it. Nine gurgling ghosts out of ten. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Next week on Supernatural, we're watching season two, episode eight, Crossroad Blues. When two highly successful professionals die after claiming to be haunted by hellhounds, Sam and Dean investigate a local bar. So immediately I'm picturing Blues Brothers. So next week we're gonna we're gonna get those suits out. We're gonna get the sunglasses. This is when Dean is going to pretend to play guitar uh, to look cool for the ladies to go infiltrate this blues bar. Um, so really excited for that. We're getting closer to the, the kiss midseason with uh, Joe. Um, yeah, uh, not a whole lot to predict from this episode. Um, yeah, doesn't sound like a whole lot for next week as well. I think it's going to be more of our monster of the week. Uh, not a whole lot of story, but uh, more of its own plot. Um, do you think we will see our new lady cop again? No. Do you think we will see any more fallout of the boys being hunted by the police now as wanted felons? Yes. Um, I wrote down, I guess, St. Louis will be brought up again. Um, I like to think that we're going to keep that going and like uh, the St. Louis police are going to be out for them because they got this body up and maybe it is Dean there and now they're really really confused. How long until we see the next episode that deals with any of this? Not in season three. They're going to give us a break. Season four mm. they're going to bring it out. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We're set. For any questions, comments, or smart remarks, send them to naturalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at naturalfriendspodcast and Twitter at natfriendspod. Thank you to our fans and our wives for continued support. If you enjoyed this, drop us a review and subscribe. Thank you for joining us. We are Natural, Natural Friends. Friends. This this one's hard to talk about because the because of the framing. Yeah, the, yeah, and I don't want to over rely on Casey to to pull us through it. But I do. <laughs> <laughs>